Hello, everyone. It's then again with the Northeast Georgia History Center. I am Glenn, and I'm here with a very special guest today. Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello. Um, yeah, I am a uh, geologist. I have not been a geologist for as long as some folks. I, I began my career in IT. So I actually spent about 10 years working for the federal government doing IT work before going back to school in the early 2000s, where I got a degree in geology, done a little bit of environmental consulting. But for the past 10 years, I've been working at a community college, Northern Virginia Community College here in uh, Annandale, Virginia. We have several campuses in the Northern Virginia area. And that's where I've been working for the past 10 years. I work as a lab tech, basically supporting our full-time faculty with all of our courses. I do a lot of student tutoring. And recently, I've been doing some Twitch streaming if anyone's familiar with that, doing some geology on there as, as well. So that's a bit of my background and what I'm doing now, just working at the college and trying to spread the geology to anyone who is interested. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so I'm sure at this point, everyone's asking, you've got to tell us why you made that transition from being in IT and dealing with government rocks and then moving on to dealing with actual interesting rocks. Right. So I fell into the government job a little bit by accident. I started off as a summer hire back in the early 90s. I was taking some college classes. And so I got hired in a part-time position. At that time, I was doing computer science and I at the time developed some early web pages for our organization. Now, this is early 90s internet. So it's a little different than it is now, but I was able to dazzle my supervisors and uh, they thought, hey, we got to bring this guy on full time. But by the end of the, the 90s and into the 2000s, there was a lot of consolidation of the IT organizations in our, uh, I worked for the Federal Aviation Administration. And so there was a lot of organizations, everybody had their own sort of web pages. They were consolidating, bringing it all under one IT umbrella. I did not have any education in IT. It was all self-taught, didn't have any certification. So I felt I probably should go back to school but I was also getting a little tired of doing IT. And uh, anyone who's sat in a cubicle for eight plus hours a day maybe knows uh, what I'm talking about here. So when I went back to school, I started thinking about like, what could I do differently? And I, I need just intro lab sciences because I hadn't taken that. So I took geology. And after two semesters of intro geology, I was convinced that that was the new subject that I wanted to pursue. And so from there, I basically... Uh, I had taken those courses at a community, the community college where I work, actually. From there, I transferred to George Mason University here in Fairfax, Virginia, and uh, finished a geology degree there. So it's never too late to, uh, you know, change things up and uh, do a 180. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said for following one's passions. I, I, went, I went to Georgia Tech for my first year of college. Needless to say, I'm not in the engineering field. It's, it's funny how that happens, you know, and, and we, I see that all the time at the community college, you know, students come in with something in mind that they think they want to do. And over the course of two years, they, they completely decide to do something different. So, um, you know, I think that's part of it, just kind of figuring out what you want to do and what you think is interesting. And, and oftentimes, you know, it'll be that one class, one instructor that, uh, you know, inspires a student to go a completely different direction. And, uh, you know, that's always exciting when that, that happens, when you really see the you know, the passion kind of light up in someone and, and they're like, yeah, now I really know what, what I, my purpose is and where I want to go with things. So take note audiences, this guy gets it. So, <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we're, we're here in Northeast Georgia, sort of at the very, very bottom part of the, of the Appalachian mountains in our museum here at the Northeast Georgia history center. We talk a lot about the history of it. And when I say history, you know, it's the recorded stuff. It's, it's the story of humans in this area, but of course the story of where, we live, the story of where we all live begins well before humans ever inhabited the place. It goes all the way back to that primordial ooze and how 
the geography and the topography of the areas we live shapes the cultures and, and the folks who live in those places in ways we don't remotely understand. So that's one reason I wanted to have you on to see if you could share with us some of those those fascinating natural history stories about how the eastern part of the U.S. and, and the Appalachian Mountains and things like that that influence our modern world so much, how were they made? I mean, what are they? I mean, we know they're Earth, but what are they? Right, exactly. So one of the things that I, I was I was kind of pleased to see when I, I was doing just a little bit of prelim, uh, you know, kind of looking up like what's what's going on down in Georgia. And basically, you guys have what are known as physiographic provinces, and they are the same physiographic provinces that we have here in Virginia that I'm I'm pretty familiar with. And what that basically means is they're just geologic divisions where there's different types of rocks that represent kind of different episodes in earth history, I guess you could say. So you have five different provinces in Georgia. I'll just list them off. You got basically a big chunk that's called the coastal plain. We got a section called the Piedmont. And then you guys have a little bit of slivers of stuff up in the very northern part of Georgia, the Blue Ridge, something called the Valley and Ridge, and then the Appalachian Plateau. So these are five what we call physiographic provinces that are defined by the types of rocks or sediments that exist in those. And we can kind of break those down, I guess I could say, sort of like chapters in a book. So if we were going to kind of write the geologic story of Georgia, we might start with the Blue Ridge as chapter one. We would then maybe move into the Piedmont, which would be chapter two. The Valley and Ridge and Appalachian Plateau are kind of chapters three and four. And then we would kind of close the story with the coastal plain as, as our sort of closing chapter five. So if you want, I could kind of sort of maybe just start with chapter one and, and kind of walk us through those provinces. And I'll, I'll try to, you know, kind of point out, like, you know, highlight where, where in Georgia we're, we're talking about. I guess our story would start with the Blue Ridge, which is in the very northern part of Georgia, sort of, sort of I guess, the north eastern kind of corner there. And the Blue Ridge basically runs all up and down the east coast. So, uh, you know, passes up through Virginia. We have Shenandoah National Park here, which some people may have heard of. That's part of the Blue Ridge. But that's just like one portion of it. So it, it runs up and down the east coast. And the rocks of the Blue Ridge, they essentially record a really ancient mountain building episode that took place on the order of like one to 1.1 billion years ago. So maybe a lot of your listeners are familiar with of the last known supercontinent called Pangaea, when you know all the continents were basically glommed together. You can see on a map where it looks, you can see kind of Africa fits nicely with North America. You know, most people kind of recognize that, oh, it's like the puzzle pieces that go together. Well, there's been more than one supercontinent. So Pangaea is just the most recent one. And the rocks of the Blue Ridge essentially record a mountain building episode that marks the construction of a previous supercontinent that we call Rodinia. So there's one that came before Pangaea. And the rocks of the Blue Ridge basically record that mountain building episode. So the rocks that we find there are a lot of uh, granites, basically igneous and some metamorphic rocks. So again, I don't know how familiar everybody is with the idea of the rock cycle, but there's three main types of rock. Igneous rock, which volcanoes, lava, that's what most people would think of with igneous. We've got sedimentary rocks, which is just rocks made up of sediment, things that have eroded and then solidified back into rock again. And then metamorphic rock, which is rocks that get altered by heat and intense pressure. So when we talk about mountain building, we're really talking about plate tectonics, the idea that plates are moving around on the surface of the earth. And when those plates collide, that forms mountains. So the, the modern day analogy would be like the Himalayan mountains, where we have basically the continent of India is pushing up north and slamming into Asia and pushing up a bunch of mountains. And so the Blue Ridge is essentially recording that same type of episode where two continents were colliding together, 
building up big mountains. And in those mountain building events, you, you melt rock, you metamorphose it, right, and basically preserve that mountain building episode in the Blue Ridge. Hopefully that makes makes some sense. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it. I, we're following along. That's the only the downside to podcasts is we can't use maps and pictures, so people are going to have to use their imagination. <laughs> right. Um, and I guess I would say if, if anybody just did a, a quick Google search of, you know, videographic provinces of Georgia, it, they'll, there'll be all kinds of images that pull up and they can kind of see where, where exactly we're, we're talking about. Right. Um, it, it makes a, a relatively small portion of Georgia uh, from the map that I can see, but, but, but you've got a little bit of Blue Ridge up there. And those rocks basically record, really, those are your probably your oldest rocks in Georgia. Okay. And I'm, I'm guessing a little bit, but just based on what I know from other parts of the East Coast, those are where you're going to find the oldest stuff. So, of course, you have this supercontinent Rodinia. It inevitably breaks up into separate continents. This is all happening, you know, really, really ancient Earth history here. But if we fast forward a little bit to, say, about 540 million years ago, the continents are still spread apart, but we're going to start to get into a period of time where the continents are going to start to come together again. And so that kind of moves us into chapter two, which I refer to as the Piedmont. And I'm just looking here, like major cities like Atlanta sits in the Piedmont, Athens, Georgia's sitting there in the Piedmont. And it makes kind of a, maybe a, a pretty good central swath of, of Georgia. And these are all rocks that are basically primarily metamorphic. There's some igneous rocks in there. So, you know, I'm thinking like Stone Mountain, which I, I've been to. It's been several years. Right. Yes. Uh, so that's that, probably the, the geographic oddity that most people around here are most familiar with. Right. So, uh, you know, basically, if I recall correctly, I believe that was what we refer to as an igneous intrusion. So maybe I should kind of back up. The, the Piedmont rocks, basically, they're recording the assembly of Pangaea, right? So the supercontinent a billion years ago comes together called Rodinia. It breaks apart. And then somewhere around 540 million years ago, continents are starting to move towards each other again. And as these collisions begin to occur, as the continents come together, that's going to squeeze stuff in between. And those are going to become the rocks of the Piedmont, rocks that basically get caught in this new collision as Pangaea starts to come together. It's like around 540 million years ago, this is a period of time when a lot of, we call it the Cambrian explosion. So a lot of life begins to emerge. We have a lot of fossil evidence. So it's, it's kind of a significant period in geologic history, but it's at this point in time that continents are coming together. And so by around 450, 460 million years ago, we get what we refer to as sort of our first collision with what will be North America. And I, I should maybe point out that North America is not where it's positioned today. What we think of as the East Coast would have been pointed south. So we would have actually been kind of oriented more in the Southern hemisphere, south of the equator at this point in time. So we're talking like almost a 90 degree turn if you're kind of- Exactly. So, you know, there's there's some folks uh, that have done some really good paleogeographic maps that have essentially drawn nice maps that attempt to illustrate what the earth would have looked like at these different points in time. And we have a lot of good evidence that, yeah, North America was definitely not oriented where it is today. And we would have been much further south, basically south of the equator, looking towards the, the South Pole, basically. So so that's something just to kind of keep in mind that, you know, oftentimes when we talk about this, we sort of always refer to things as sort of the East Coast, but we have to kind of keep in mind that we're not we're not oriented where we actually are today. It's, it's completely different arrangement. But somewhere around 450, 460, and again, I'm getting these dates from some of the, the rocks that we've dated in our area, but we have basically continents that are coming together, and we have a, a set of volcanic islands that basically collide with North America. So, you know, maybe without getting too deep into it, but the whole idea of plate tectonics, you get situations where part of the crust basically gets what we call subducted. It gets kind of 
plowed underneath the continent. And as the crust basically descends back into the earth, that produces melting. And that produces a lot of our volcanic islands. So if you think of like the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, we have a situation there where there's an ocean plate being kind of driven back down into the earth underneath another part of the crust. And that creates melting and that melting comes up, rises to the surface and produces a string of volcanoes. So if your listeners can kind of imagine something along, something analogous to the Aleutian Islands in Alaska, that's essentially what's coming and approaching North America. So when we have mountain building events, you get two things. You get metamorphism of the rocks. They get altered and changed because of the intense heat and pressure they're being put under. And then that heat and pressure inevitably produces some melting. So you get bodies of magma that will basically form in the earth. Sometimes they will rise to the surface and erupt as volcanoes, but other times they just cool and solidify deep in the earth. And so getting back to Stone Mountain, uh, if I recall correctly, Stone Mountain is one of these igneous intrusions. Basically, it was, it was a bunch of molten rock that never quite got to the surface and erupted as a volcano, but cooled beneath the surface. It has a, a harder resistance to it. So as the landscape around erodes, the more resistant igneous rock basically kind of sticks out in high relief and produces what you see today, this kind of big, right. you know, monolith kind of sticking up out of, out of the ground. And so this area of the Piedmont basically records these events where you have these volcanic islands coming in, colliding with North America, producing metamorphism, uh, melting of the rock, producing igneous rock. And, and that's some of what you see sticking out today. That volcanic island, though, those weren't the only episodes uh, that happened. We had another little period of calm. So the volcanoes come in and collide. Mountains are built. They erode. Some of that erosion is shedding sediment. So those mountains are breaking down and shedding sediment into the interior of the continent. Okay. And so that's going to kind of lead us into the, the, the further chapters of the Valley and Ridge and Appalachian Plateau. But just keep in mind that as mountains are building up, they're eroding. And a lot of that eroded material is, is being shed into the interior of the continent, basically towards what we think of today as the West. After the volcanic islands, we have something called a microcontinent. So something analogous to modern day Madagascar is kind of cruising along and it collides with North America next. And that happens maybe around 100 million years later. So 350, 360. Most of the evidence for that is much further north. So that, that collision is really well recorded up in New England parts of Canada, the rocks around like Maine really show a good uh, record of that collision. But it's kind of the same story as the volcanic islands in that you have another continental body kind of colliding with North America. It builds up some mountains. They're a little further north than Georgia, but they're still pretty big mountains. They're shedding eroded material again into the interior of the continent. And so that's building up a bunch of sedimentary rock layers or what will be sedimentary rock layers to the west. That microcontinent collides with North America. That's a pretty big collision, but that's not the big one. The big one's coming next. And that's maybe, say, another 50 million years later. And that's Africa. So now that continent, the full continent comes together. This is really the full final assembly of the supercontinent Pangaea, where Africa basically collides with North America. And that produces really intense metamorphism. And that gets us to all those, all that sediment that's been eroding and being shed out to the West has been piling up in basically a big stack of layers. And this big final collision is what's going to take those layers and essentially crumple them up like, like an accordion. So we've had two smaller mountain building events. They produce some metamorphism, some um, alteration of the rocks that becomes the Piedmont. But all the sediment that those mountains were eroding has been kind of piling up to the West. 
And it's not until Africa comes along, which is the really big collision, that it finally, it's, it's big enough that it affects those rocks or those sediments that were piling up out west. And that's going to become what we call the Valley and Ridge in the Appalachian Plateau. So kind of jumping to the Valley and Ridge, again, this is more, again, you find the Appalachian Plateau and the Valley and Ridge in the very north northwest corner of Georgia. And it's Valley and Ridge very much, like it says, it's a part of the, the terrain very much as valleys and ridges. And that has to do with all these rock layers that got crumpled up and folded in this final collision when Pangea finally comes together. So it's kind of like the final big crunch. You've had two smaller mountain building events that eroded sediment into the interior of the continent. Now you got Africa colliding with North America and it's so big, it's just crumpling up everything. You know, just let me ask this question just to kind of put things in context. You're talking about, you know, Africa colliding with North America. There's a collision. How long does that, I mean, it's in our minds, we're imagining, you know, we're just taking pieces right. of paper and push them. How long does that collision take? Right. So that, that that's going to, those collisions play out over, you know, millions of years, right? And the collision with Africa, that's definitely going to take place over a long, long period of time. So, you know, just, it's kind of hard to put numbers on it, but say sure. maybe starting around 300 million years ago running, I'd say, you know, a good 50 to 100 million years. Wow. In. Well, maybe not quite that long, but say maybe, say about 50, because- So, so all, only 50 million years. Right. So, so <laughs> basically what I was, because Pangea begins to break apart, obviously. And I want to say that happens probably closer to 200 million years ago. Okay. So I'd say probably between three and uh, 250 million years ago is when you have this major kind of collision taking place. And- yeah, I mean, I, I sort of refer to it as like a collision, like it's this sort of instantaneous right. thing. Obviously, this is playing out actually over, you know, multiple millions and millions of years. But, you know, we, we in geology, we always sort of like to refer to it in these dramatic, you know, collision-like right. terms. <laughs> no, that's that's one of the things that fascinates me is, is how you're describing something that takes place over periods of time that we we can't even, we can say the numbers. We can't even comprehend that. Right. I don't now, think. That is definitely a whole other thing. Just <laughs> trying to wrap one's mind around deep time. And, you know, we, we throw these numbers around, you know, oh, 200, 300 million years ago, like it's nothing. But, you know, to really sort of ponder what that means, uh, you know, you can kind of get lost in, in just how much time that that really is. Right. So certainly relative to our, our lifespan. Exactly. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm, I interrupted just to kind of no, bring that yeah, up. But. No, absolutely. So. So, so Africa's kind of, peeling off because it doesn't like us anymore. Basically. So, you know, you, you've had this collision, the sediments that were eroded off to the West, a lot of them, they get crumpled. So that's our Valley and Ridge. And basically if you just take, there's sort of general rule in, in uh, geology, some basic principles, um, you know, when things are eroding and sediment is being deposited somewhere, it doesn't get deposited at weird angles or anything like that. You just get a nice horizontal stack of sediment. So, Anytime if you're driving along a road and you, you drive by like some road cut and you see like you can suddenly see in the road cut these sort of tilted rock layers, you know, know that they didn't form originally like that. They they were folded in some event that came later. And so some of the rocks were close enough to that collision with Africa that they got folded. But as we get far enough away from that collision, they're not folding. And so that's where we get into what's known as the Appalachian Plateau. And there's just a little little sliver in the very corner of Georgia where there's some plateau. Uh, that doesn't mean the landscape is currently flat, but rather the geologic structure, the rock layers are flat and horizontal there. 
So we transition from a bunch of folded layers that are kind mm -hmm. of folding these up and down positions, and then it transitions to flat. We've moved far enough away from the collision that there was no, no effect. And so Georgia has, has a little bit of both of those there, you know, the, the rocks that record the collision and then the rocks that were far enough away uh, that they did it. And those are all basically sedimentary rocks. If you were to go out in the Valley and Ridge, sedimentary rocks, you'd probably find a lot of fossils there from basically an era known as the Paleozoic. So anything from, you know, 500 to 245 million years ago is pretty much the age of those rocks. And you would find a lot of invertebrate fossils uh, in there. You wouldn't find dinosaurs. It's, it's too old before the dinos, but you would find a lot of, a, a lot of marine fossils basically right. in, in some of those, those sediments there. And so those, those are kind of chapters, I, I think, of three and four that sort of tell the, the, that sort of part of the, the story of the collision from a sedimentary perspective. So you can think of the Piedmont, that's the rocks that got highly metamorphosed in those collisions. And then the Valley and Ridge and Appalachian Plateau, it's kind of the, the sedimentary perspective, all the eroded material that came off those mountains and then later got folded. So I guess that kind of then brings us to the last part of the story of the last chapter, which is Pangaea breaking apart. And so again, you get processes beneath the earth that heat up things beneath the continent. If you can kind of imagine the continent as being kind of a big cap and there's a lot of heat that builds up underneath and that eventually induces or promotes the, the rifting or breaking apart of that supercontinent into all of the, the smaller continents. And so around 200 million years ago, we start to break apart. The continents are rifting apart. That opens up a new ocean basin, which we now know as the Atlantic Ocean. And of course, we're leaving behind a large set of Appalachian Mountains that were built up in that major collision with, with Africa. So the Appalachian Mountains, as we know them today, they are just small nubs of their former selves. But if you can imagine them being once like the Himalayans, they were. Those mountains have, of course, eroded. And so the question is, well, where did all that, where did all those mountains go? And that basically brings us to the coastal plain. So as the continents were breaking apart and spreading apart, the mountains are continuing to erode, but now you've got this nice ocean basin that's opened up for sediment to start essentially spilling into. And so as those Appalachian mountains have eroded, they produce a bunch of sediment. And that's a big chunk of Georgia is what we call the coastal plain. So some of your major cities, like it looks like Augusta, Macon, and Columbus, Georgia, they are all basically located along something called the fall line, or maybe more appropriately, the fall zone. And it's basically where we transition from these hard, Kind of crystalline rocks of the Piedmont into soft sediments, things that aren't even really rock yet. It's probably a lot of unconsolidated sands and clays, silts, things like that, basically form everything south of there. So those major cities up, well, basically major cities up and down the East Coast are all built along the fall line. So like it really goes, I think, and you might know this, Glenn, uh, from, you know, colonial days when ships would come sailing up the rivers, they could only go so far before, hey, they're starting to run into rapids and waterfalls and things like that. And so the cities tended to kind of propagate along the rivers where the ships could sail up to as far right. as they could go. Right? Exactly. That, that's actually exactly how, for example, Augusta started. You know, yeah. Augusta is a town built right on the fall line. Exactly. So, so you can look up and down the East Coast and see all these major East Coast cities. They're all situated right there on that, that fall line where we transition from the sediments of the coastal plain to hey, there's rapids and waterfalls, kind of hard to sail a ship across here. <laughs> yeah, you know, so this is as far as we can go. This is where we'll, we'll, we'll build our port and our city, and, and it kind of goes for, from there. So in terms of geology, the coastal plain is, is not so much rock as it is its sediment. And it's the most recent stuff. So, you know, the oldest sediments, at least in our area, that we find in the coastal plain date around 65 million years ago. So 
even though the continent was breaking up, Pangea was breaking up 200 million years ago, it took a little while before we start to really see some of the, the sediment kind of accumulating here. But you could say from around 65 million years on is when is the age of all your coastal plain stuff. And a lot of the stuff is probably closer to 10 to 20 million years in age. We find a lot of, a lot of fossils in the coastal plain. I'm sure it's the same in, in Georgia as well. A lot of very familiar recent type stuff, you know, lots of clams and oysters. You might find some corals in there. Basically any kind of modern marine stuff. I, I, the big thing that we find in our area around the Chesapeake Bay, I don't know if you, you may find them there in Georgia as well, uh, are megalodon teeth. So like the big giant. Uh, I think, you know, I think those do show up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and so, so these are things that, you know, again, in geology, you tell most people, oh, these are 10 to 20 million years old. They're like, wow, that's really old. Uh, again, you know, I'm talking about things that took place <laughs> right. 200, 300, you know, a billion years ago. So for us in geology, you know, 10 to 20 million years ago is pretty recent right. stuff. We've still got um, the receipt for that stuff. <laughs> right. You know, so um, and in geology, I found there's, there's different, you know, everybody has sort of their, their niches uh, that they like to get into. And, and some people really like the hard rock, sort of like your igneous and metamorphic. Other people are really into the sedimentary and, you know, so some people are really into the coastal plain. And then I, I've, I've worked with people like, nope, they want nothing to do with that stuff. They want to go and, and look at like the Blue Ridge rocks and, you know, something different. So we get, we get all of that. But basically, yeah, the coastal plain is basically all the sediment that has been accumulating from the eroding Appalachian Mountains uh, since Pangea broke apart. And that's still accumulating as, as we speak. So that's a, that's a pretty good overview. That's the best overview I've heard. And, right. uh, you know, and, and, like I said, you know, the years and uh, the things, it's just kind of neat to think. We never we never think about the dirt or the rocks that we're walking around on, building our houses on, even the soil that we plant crops on. It's, it's, it's neat to think about the fact that all that stuff somehow slid into that area or popped up and is deposited from someplace that's 8,000 miles away right now. It's, it's really fascinating, I think. You know, I feel like for, for me working at the community college and a lot of our students, you know, they're just coming in taking intro geology. A lot of them don't plan on being geologists. They're going to go on and, and do other things. But I always tell them they, they picked a really good science, I think, because it's, it's the world they live in. It's the world around them. One of the funny stories I always like to tell is like when I was taking geology, I would have friends ask me when I was getting close to graduating. It's like, oh, well, you know, when you're done, are you going to move out west where the geology is? <laughs> <laughs> and I would kind of cock my head and look like, what do you mean? You know, like geology is everywhere. And, and I get it. They're thinking, you know, the Grand Canyon, right. the, the, the painted Southwest desert scenes. And yeah, awesome geology out there for sure. But, you know, the reality is it's, it's everywhere, no matter where you live. And so for our students, I'm like, no matter where you're from, this is going to hopefully let you see the world in a, an entirely new way. And, and, it, and at least it did for me where places I've been, places I used to live, I had no idea what the geology was there. And after having taken some geology, being able to go back to those places and just see them in entirely different, different ways and, and realize, you know, even just traveling now, just going someplace and seeing, seeing something geological and, and recognizing it and being able to kind of, I guess it's just that um, it's a very sort of an, I don't know, enlightening or empowering moment when you can kind of look at something and realize, hey, I'm seeing some insight into something that nobody else maybe is seeing and I can share that with them and you know hey check this out and you know I've been places with friends and I've tried to show them geology they with mixed uh, results sometimes they're like damn just we don't care you know, you know we just want to go on our hike you know right, right. we're talking about the rocks yeah. you know? but, it's, uh, it's, it's the same in history for that matter just so you know <laughs> but but I, I just think that's that's the fun thing it's like you don't have to be a, a geologist but 
it's the world you live in. You're going to be out and about and to be able to just see it in a, in a new way or in a new light is, is exciting, I think. So um, I always hope our students at least come away with that, if nothing else. Jim, that is that is fantastic. That is an awesome summary. Your passion for this and its perspectives are obvious. So thank you so much for being with us. You mentioned before that, that you're on uh, Twitch. So tell us how we can see more of you. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm on Twitch. Uh, my uh, username or handle is geogym2006. 2006 is the year I graduated with my uh, geology degree. So that's, that's why that year is there. So I guess it's uh, twitch.tv slash geogym2006. I'm trying to uh, maintain a, a fairly regular stream schedule. I'm generally trying to stream from our lab, but I'm also doing it from home as well, uh, since we're we're here in the pandemic, doing a lot of work at home. So, so yeah, I'm on there basically trying to do it twice a week. Been doing Wednesday and Friday afternoons around two o'clock. Yeah, check it out, folks. It is, it is actually pretty interesting, and his passion uh, shows through there just like it did here. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, thank all of y'all for tuning in and taking a listen to Then Again. We will see you next time, but until we meet again, stay safe and take care. Then Again is a production of the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps other people discover the show. We also hope you'll join us for our free weekly live stream programs on Facebook Live and YouTube Live every week at 2 p.m. Eastern. Just search for the Northeast Georgia History Center and we'll pop right up. There are a few great ways to support the History Center. Make a donation online by clicking the donate button on our website at www.negahc.org. Become a digital member to receive exclusive invites to members-only live streams every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Our next members live stream is a virtual tour of the 18th century White Path Cabin here at the History Center. Digital memberships are as low as $3 a month or $35 a year, and you can register on our membership page at www.negahc.org. We also have an online gift shop with lots of great items for all ages, again, at www.negahc.org. We'll see you next week for another episode of Then Again. Thanks, y'all.